0: Welcome, all of you who are watching online. We want to take a moment today and uh, do some different things. One of which is, uh, it's it's a bittersweet moment. I want to ask Amy and Michael Bowie, Pastor Michael, to come out on stage. Or Pastor Michael's here somewhere. Um, but this precious gal here, who you've seen now for three and a half years, is going to be moving forward and on toward. Uh, you know, you have to when you marry a preacher, you, you it's it's a hazard. And, uh, you know, Pastor Michael's been doing life and church with me for so many years And was faithfully here, he and Amy, for for three and a half And and, uh, just feeling some pulling in other directions And, you know, we always have to respect that It's very hard uh, because we love you guys so much And you've given so much And I want to publicly thank you for how much you've given to the church Um, Come on, you can give them a standing ovation They deserve it You know, one of the hardest things I've done as a minister is you, you work and you cry and you sweat and you fight together for years to, to see God's kingdom advance. And then all of a sudden, uh, the day comes when somebody says, as I did when I was 37, and I went to Pastor Jim Graff and I said, Pastor, I'm done. I said, I've done youth ministry all these years and I, I just can't do it anymore. And I said, uh, I've got to move on. And we were dear friends. We cried together. And I moved on and started a church, and, and I don't know exactly what Michael and are going to do, but uh, I do know this. They will serve the Lord faithfully the rest of their lives. I know that for a fact. And uh, we thank you guys so much. So I just want to ask you to join with me in prayer. Uh, you know, as we've already told them, doors always open at Mosaic. Uh, we, you know, some people always, they look for a fight. There's no fight here. We love them. They love us. And uh, we're just going different directions and, and God does that. He multiplies. He doesn't divide. So this is not division. This is multiplication. And many lives are going to be affected as a result of their obedience. So join with us in prayer. Father, thank you for Michael and Amy and their family. God, I as a, a pastor who comes back from a very very deep, dark place to have people like Mike and Amy, Michael and Amy stand with me and say we believe in you. It meant the world to me and still does. And, Lord, I know that you have this incredible call on their lives, and they're gifted, they're talented. And, uh, Lord, we are grateful to have had them for a season. Now, Lord, not that we have any authority to do so, but we just want them to know we release them and we bless them uh, into the next season of their lives. And we are so grateful that you sent them to us for a season. And now, Lord, we are grateful that they're going to bless others as they move forward in their call and their destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you guys. You. Be blessed. Uh, so anyway, uh, so much has gone on in, in 2020. I don't think 2020 ended up uh, being anything like we had anticipated it to be when we started. But let me say this to all of us. And I, I, as a pastor, there are times we lead. There are times we challenge. There are times we correct. And there are times that we comfort. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in theology, minor in psychology, a master's degree in leadership and ministry. And let me tell you, neither one of those degrees, none of them, uh, prepared me for a pandemic. Uh, None of those degrees prepared me for the tension racially that we're facing in our country today. But the Spirit of God always prepares us. And uh, with that said, I I ask uh, Pastor Jesse, who... He and I have been serving God together now for 20-plus years. I've asked him to come and join with me to help bring some comfort and clarity as much as we can to our racial situation. I have been a a follower of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. since 1990. I have an app on my phone with his quotes and many of things on there. uh, Because he was such a gracious, graceful man in his presentation and drive for equality. And one of the statements that he made that has always stuck with me is he said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. We are facing great difficulty, adversity, emotions that we could all be very quick to judge right from wrong, and it would only be our perspective or our opinion when people are hurting when people feel backed into a corner all of us do things that we might not have thought we would have done but things happen and uh, in no way what happened last week can there be any justification none whatsoever uh, and so uh, you know I've, I've talked to various people from various walks of life nationalities and uh, my own grandson Uh, is African American. Uh, My son is lily white. He married an African American woman, but he has a beautiful colored baby. And uh, I told Whitney when she married Chris, you've got to bring some color to this family because we're lily white. And so, uh, you know, for me, you have to understand where this lands. Uh, My grandson's going to grow up in this country And God forbid the day that somebody pulls him over and sees that he's black and I have to deal with that. That's going to be tough. My daughter married a half Colombian, half Cuban man. So diversity in my family is something very common, something we don't even think about until something like this happens. And uh, I know that people will take task if I was silent or if I say something. But let me tell you something. We must not remain silent during times like these. (laughs) So, if I must be criticized, I choose to be criticized for commission and not omission. And so, I've asked Pastor Jesse to bring uh, another side to this. You know, uh, we've been doing this a long time together, my brother, and we've been through a lot. We've been through losses, uh, both of people we love and ministries we possessed and built. We've lost a lot of things together, but we remain together. And uh, we are not connected by the color of our skin but by the convictions of our hearts because the color of our skin means nothing to God. He created us all in His image and His likeness and the reason I believe He gave us all the colors, we needed it. Uh, it, We needed the beauty of diversity. And so, Pastor Jesse, why don't you share from your heart where where you're at today?
1: Well, I appreciate this. I I, uh, commend you for this opportunity to share with our family and those that may be the Mosaic family. You know, they do call us salt and pepper. And uh, we
0: (laughs) never never catch a shaking together, though.
1: (laughs) And it would take a long time to unpack how we got to this point right here. But, you know, I I do want to address this with you today because uh, this is really a a tragedy. Um, You know, it's some things are ingrained in us and some of us have the spirit of God to push it out of us. I'm reminded of a time when I walked into a local John Deere dealership, and I just simply said good morning to another black gentleman. And uh, he said, what's so good about it? I've got black man's disease. And so I backed up and got some social distancing on that because I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't want to catch that disease. But it's, but he's, he's been truly uh, downtrodden through life. I get it. I understand it but if you're not strong enough to understand that my allegiance is to my God and not the color of my skin, yeah. then, then you're, gonna, you're gonna have some real problems. And so even in my family, I have 10 sisters and four brothers and now they have children who are having children and they're, they're concerned about their children going out and what's gonna happen when they're pulled over. And uh, one of the comments in one of the texts was, I don't even think that God really cares about us as black people. But listen, all lives matter, but today we're talking about black lives. Is that okay? That's right, yes. And so now I'm having to try and address that with my younger nephews to tell them that, you know what, you cannot uh, lose your faith. You must remain faithful on the adverse conditions. And if there's one thing that, that we know how to do, talking about black people, we know how to pray. And, Amen. and, you know, and that's what my mother used to always say, just pray about it, pray about it. But you know what it's time for us to be about it amen Amen. and what has happened is that we sweep all this stuff under the rug and that means that 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 old adage sweep it swept under the rug means it's not been taken care of so there's a lot of things in america that hadn't been taken care of and this is one big thing that needs to be taken care of and so we we've got a lot of work to do here in this church you can look around and, and and i know pastor mark He could do this by himself because if anybody has the ability to bring all ethnic backgrounds together, it's been Pastor Mark. And and we love him and adore him for that. Amen. And and I'm I'm not here to to throw him a bone. I'm out of bones already throwing for him. But I want to say this. In Genesis chapter 6, God made man, and then he said these words. He says, I am grieved that I ever made him. He said, I really want to blot them out and wash them off of the face of the earth. But he found an old boy by the name of Noah to build an ark. But not everybody went in the ark. And then he said, you know what, I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to get a cross ready. I'm going to put a man on that cross. And that's the last final say so. And if you don't get in on that, you're not going to show love. Hmm. You won't know how to love. You're not going to show peace and dignity and honesty because you won't know how. So this is really a big problem, and we really need to pray about it because I'll just say this. He may have choked that man to death and took away his life, but guess what? At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, he's still a black man. You you can't choke my blackness out of me. You can't shoot it out of me. You can't curse it out of me because at the end of the day, that's who I am. And trust me, when I walk in the room, my blackness comes with me. Amen. I love who I am. And I love being around people. And I've had some great people like Pastor Mark to reach down and pick me up out of a dark place. He's the one who put me in this place. And sometimes I don't like it because everywhere I go, somebody knows me, you know? And he did that. <laughs> and I'll say this, out of the thousands of people that we'd had come through the church at Victory that Sunday, he reached down and he picked me and he says, I'm gonna tell you something. And you're going up and not down. And he spoke life to me. And we have been together ever since. He didn't do that because of the color of my skin. He did that from a love of his heart. Amen. And so I'm not here to, to try and, and show you anything that you don't know about our pastor. So we got a lot of work to do. And that family is, is grieving right now. And guess what? Even the man who took the life, his family needs prayer. I don't know what they're gonna do or who they are. I haven't even searched to see what their background is. But uh, I'll say this and I'll give it back to Pastor Mark. But yeah, even I, 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 get, I get frightened when I think about, uh, I'll tell you the story, I was late to a, a meeting in the prison and so I'm driving my S600 Mercedes 12 uh, cylinder and I'm running 101 miles an hour and uh, trying to get to the prison because I'm late. So I get pulled over and so I let down all four windows, open the sunroof, made sure I kept both hands on the steering wheel. I'm black, my car is black, it's getting dark, and I'm like, I, I don't know what's gonna happen here. But I created that, but my fear was, what's gonna happen now that I did this? Am I gonna get the same opportunity as everyone else does? But he was a, he was a good officer, not every officer is bad. And he said, well, Mr. Bufford, here's what you're gonna have to do in my county. You're either gonna have to leave home early or slow down. So $254 later, <laughs> I got the point. So, yeah, yeah, we are, we are frightened for our lives at times. So uh, thank you, Pastor Mark, for addressing that.
0: Thank you, Pastor.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, it's, it's always a struggle uh, when things like this happen in our world. You know, how do you address it? People come to church for different reasons. But all of us now, including right here in Oklahoma, are affected by this. And, and really, I'm glad that we are. Um, my little 21-year-old daughter uh, called me last night. And uh, she said, Dad, I, I, I really need to talk to you. How many of you know that's not a good beginning? I said, well, honey, what's up? She said, well, she said, I, I need to ask you a question. She said, let me try to explain it. She said, I, I'm going to a uh, rally tomorrow, uh, Black Lives Matter too, And she said, I just need to ask you. If anything goes down and I get arrested, will you bail me out? I said, I'll be right there, honey. I said, go get her done. I said, I said you know what? I'm proud of you. I know you're risking things. Uh, I said, but you know, and if, if, I, if I don't have the money to get you out, I said, I'll just come to jail with you. I said, because this is a time where we have to choose uh, to uh, be uncomfortable, if you will. And it's very uncomfortable for many people. I, I for some strange reason... I uh, haven't felt that discomfort, but when uh, pastors started putting stuff on Facebook and, and you know some of them were videoing and, and, and they were defending uh, George Floyd and his family, and as much as I respected that, uh, I felt like I had to pray for two days to know what to say and what not to say. I didn't need to create any more anger. There was already enough. I didn't create, need to create any more confusion. There was already enough. What I needed to create in my mind as I prayed that morning, early pre-dawn. God, what can I put on Facebook to just communicate my love and support for this precious family that that lost their son and their brother and their their nephew? And all I could put was my heart is filled with sadness. Because to try to explain something on Facebook, you're going to get into a fight. And I just want you all to know uh, that Susan would tell you what's wrong with you. For two days, I was depressed over this because I knew that I couldn't be silent. And I'm not going to be. And so I have a brief little message, and Pastor Jesse, thank you, and, and uh, I want to I wanna do something a little different. I had a message prepared and got up this morning, and I began to pray, and, and like yesterday, I asked Pastor Jesse if he would join me, because I felt like the world needs to see that this is a human race problem, that the human race has not really understood the power of the cross understood the price that jesus paid for every one of us not just white people and if anything and we call ourselves a people of privilege we are called to share every privilege we're called to suffer with those who suffer mourn with those who mourn rejoice with those who rejoice regardless of what part of the world that they're from or what color their skin is we're called to stand together and that's what we must do and And, you know, every time you have one of these situations, everybody goes back and looks at a rap sheet or what somebody's done or hasn't done. Listen, uh, as I look at this, I just go, nobody who has handcuffs behind their back and a knee on their throat deserves to die. It's not right. And so I went back, and I'm going to read this to you. I'm not unmindful that some of you have come here out of great trials and tribulations, and some of you may recognize this. Some of you have come fresh from narrow jails, and some of you have come from areas where your quest, quest for freedom, left you battered by the storms of persecution and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering, continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi, go back to Alabama, go back to South Carolina, go back to Georgia, go back to Louisiana, go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities, knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friends, and so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream, a dream deeply rooted. In the American dream, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with the vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. I would rather lose my church than stand before Jesus saying, I was silent when I should have spoken. I had a conversation in November with my precious daughter-in-law, Whitney, who's African-American. And she and I were sitting alone at the table together, and I said, Whitney, help me. Help me understand where you come from. And we've always had a very good relationship, and uh, she said, you know, it's hard to explain because you, you can't know what it's like until you're Skin is my color. She said, when I was dating Chris and we were going out, and any of you know my son, you can't get more white. I mean, he's white on steroids. And so you have this extreme white man dating this black woman. And she said, Mark, we would go to restaurants and we would eat And at the end of our meal, when they would bring the ticket to us, they would ask, are these separate tickets? Somehow implying that they couldn't possibly be together and that my white son could not be in love with a black woman. And that was painful. It's the first time I'd heard that uh, from her. And it, it broke my heart because, to me, every human life has great value. And that we must all posture ourselves and position ourselves to stand together. Nobody, black or white, will in any way commend violent acts. I don't believe that. But I do believe in Dr. King's way of approaching nonviolent protest. We have to speak up. We have to stand up. We have to stand out. We have to let our world know that what happens is unacceptable. I stand before you today making that statement. And you can say what you want and you can think what you want, but you will not change my mind. I imagined for a moment, not just my family, but my dear friend, Pastor Jesse. He says, I stood with him and I did. But six years ago, he began standing with me in my darkest hour. We've stood together through a lot. And we will stand together the rest of our lives. And if anybody ever put a knee on my brother's throat, I'd be on them no matter what. If you're going to kill him, you're going to kill me. So, people, I don't know where this lands on you today, and I know you probably didn't come to church for this, but every one of you came to church wondering what's gonna happen. Well, let me tell you what's gonna happen the devil's gonna lose. Because we will not stop fighting until the day we die, we will not stop speaking until we no longer have a voice. And as a church, Mosaic Church, when this started again, it came up out of the ashes of great despair after nearly two years of me being off stage, paying a very serious price for a mistake I made. I've got to say this to you, and I did not say this at 9.30, and I pray that no one hears this with a wrong voice. What I did was wrong, and I paid. Dr. Donald Brown came up to me in this lobby. Dr. Donald Brown's black. And he said, I didn't know you. I knew of you, but I didn't know you. And he said, when I first came to this church, he said, I walked in and he's never left. And he said, Mark, he said, let me say this to you. He said, if you were black, you would still have your church that you built today. I said, Dr. Brown, what do you mean? He said, because let me tell you something. We would have stood with you. And we're standing with you now. I know that what I'm saying is politically incorrect today, but I'm tired of being quiet about it. You know, we've lost the meaning of grace and mercy. We've lost what that really means. We talk about it. We preach about it. But we ain't living it. Well, we're going to live it at Mosaic Church, Oklahoma City. I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm tired of being quiet about it. People have talked about me for the last six years. Now I'm going to talk about me. January 3rd of 2016, sitting in a theater church, small little gathering, listening to a preacher, and it was as though the preacher disappeared. I saw him. But I could no longer hear him because there was a voice speaking to me inside. It was the voice of heaven. And God said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm, I'm worshiping. He said, why are you worshiping here? I said, because I'm here. And he said, did I call you to leave Oklahoma City? I, I, and, and these are words you never want to say to God. I said, no, but you don't understand. I'm talking about the creator of heaven and earth. No, but you don't understand. And God said, did I tell you to leave? I said, well, no. He said, then why did you leave? And I realized in that moment that I had allowed mankind to make a decision for me that God did not make for me. I did not come back out of rebellion or retaliation or vengeance. I came back because the spirit of God said, you go back. I heard words like, you're now disqualified. And then God would say, you were never qualified, therefore you cannot be disqualified. Yeah. You see, the only way you can be disillusioned is if you were ever illusioned. You cannot be disqualified. He said, did I not say in my word that my gifts and callings are without repentance? They're irrevocable. I knew before I ever called you, you were a mess up. But I called you anyway. And I think that God called Mark Crow because he was a mess up and that he knew I would never quit on him and I will never quit on him. And you know, I'm just tired of political correctness and I'm even more sick and tired of religion. I'm more tired of judgmentalism than you could ever imagine. It's time for us to hug those who fall down, help them up, and quit kicking them. It's time for us to restore. It's time for us to reinstate. It's time for us to live what we preach. And any preacher who preaches about David needs to stop preaching about David until he knows what it is to be a David. I'm back. And I don't say that arrogantly. I say that confidently because for years I was so timid. I betrayed my own confidence. I betrayed my own personality. I betrayed everything I was to make everybody happy, to think that I would live the rest of my life beat down and beat up by one mistake having forgotten the 20 years I invested in watching 900 people walk the altars at the estate fair arena and give their life to Jesus Christ. How do you forget that from the preacher who fell? Many of your families came to Jesus Christ under the sound of my voice, not because I'm a good man, but because I preach about a great God. You can take my buildings you can take everything but you cannot take my voice and you cannot take my call you cannot take my anointing you cannot take what God invested this church will become a model around the world of what it means to stand back up and declare God has risen and he will raise up the voices he has called Get ready. The devil thought two years ago that he had done it. I've silenced the voice of that crazy man who says things that never should be said. I will not give up. And this building will be filled multiple times. We will see the hand of God move as he did on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit dropped down on the followers who were hiding in an upper room. There's a lot left in here. There's a lot left out here. There's a lot left in this city. I respect everyone. I love everyone. But I will no longer cower to the lies, to the judgment, to the criticism. I'm here today because I love you here today because I love you. I'm here today because I love him. I'm not here today because I'm good. I'm not here today because I'm without sin. I'm not here today promising that, that I will never sin because I do every day. I hate that part of my life. But the Bible says where sin abounds, grace even more abounds. And every day I experience the greatness of his grace. God, help any of us who only live a life of judgment, for you shall only be judged. For whatever you sow, you will reap. If you extend grace to others, grace will be extended to you, and I thought it would come from different places, but it didn't. And today, I am thankful that grace has come from you. I am so honored and respectful of you for giving me another chance and believing that Jesus is not finished with me. This is our birthday. This is Mosaic's birthday. We planned it to be in March, on the four-year, uh, you know, four-year mark of, of being here, and we had it all planned out. And honestly, when I came back in March 20th and and uh, opened the doors at Noah's event venue, I I really didn't know who would come and who wouldn't. I, I had no idea. And that day, it was standing room only. Hundreds and hundreds of people came, and and I, for a moment, I was confused because I I, I knew that many of them weren't there for the reasons I wanted them to be there. It was kind of like a NASCAR race. Some came to watch the races, but most came for the crash. And, uh, you know, they didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. I thought it would crash, didn't care. What I cared about was this, was the one who gave his life for me, the least I could do was to give my life to him. And uh, that day I stood up, March 20th of 2016, and began to preach again. And uh, I have to publicly, as I was sitting on the front row today, there are so many men that stood with me. One of which is the Crossings Pastor Marty Grubbs. And I spoke with him this past week. And I've got to tell you, he's one of the finest pastors I've ever known in my life. And I respect him and honor him. Pastor Rob Koch pastors a 7,000-member church in Austin. Pastor Marcus Meekham in Kentucky. Pastor David Crank in St. Louis and Tampa. Pastor Sam Hinn. So many great men that stood me up and talked to me day after day, week after week, and believed in me. And the only reason I'm standing here at the four-year mark is because people like you and people like them have believed in me and stood with me. And I cannot be a regular pastor. I, I, I've tried. I, I, I don't say the right things at the right time in the right way. And, and I've tried. I really have. But I'm so Sorry. And, and I, I, every now and then I say things I probably shouldn't at the front door. A while ago, I, I looked at one of our greeters and I said, where the hell have you been? Uh, I, I know that that's not appropriate in most churches, but it's mosaic. And, and I, I love her so much. I've known her for 25 years. And I said, I've missed you. Now, I know some of you will walk out and never come back, and I get that. But it just kind of came up out of me because I really, really care. And I had to say that to you because I want you to know something. We're we're, we're more concerned about the words that somebody says instead of the life somebody lives. And everybody's going through a hard time. And we've got to quit judging people. We've got to quit measuring everyone else because we typically measure others by their actions, but we measure ourselves by our intentions. And guess what? When we do that, our intentions are always good, and that's just not true. So let's quit playing church and... Let's quit dressing everything up and dolling everything up and acting here like everything's just all right because I'm going to tell you something. Every one of you in this, this room has either said hell or thought hell or going to hell. So I thought, well, I might as well just shake it up a little bit today and, and uh, you know, let's just get on with life and, and love each other anyway. What do you say, huh? We probably ought to pray. <laughs> Bow your heads. Close your eyes. God, thank you so much for everyone that's tuned in. And Lord, I thank you for everyone that's shown up. God, what a world we live in. We're all just a mess. and That's why you sent your son. He was a savior and still is but he's also the greatest custodian that ever, has ever lived. Every day, day in and day out, cleaning up the messes we make. Never judging, never criticizing, embracing and loving and extending grace and mercy. I'm not ashamed to call you Lord and Savior, and I'm thankful that you're not ashamed to call me son. God, forgive us for apathy, lethargy, for not being true to what we feel, what we think, for not being honest about what we say and what we do. I'd be dead without you, God, not just in my soul, but in my life. I pray for the Floyd family today, God. I can't imagine what they're going through right now. But I pray for them, God. They don't know me and I don't know them, but you know them. And they know who you are. God, lead them through this time. Help them. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there are those of you that may be wondering about your destiny, your eternity, life after death. Is there such a thing? And if so, what does it look like? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 14, I've gone to prepare a place for you that where I am you might be also in my father's house are many mansions if it were so so I would have told you but I've gone so that where I am you might be also what do I have to do to go to heaven most people would say well don't drink smoke cuss or chew but that's not what it's about not even for you the Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved certainly there are consequences for decisions that we make and choices that we make But you can't make God not love you because God is love. You can't make God not want you because He gave His Son just for you. You've already been forgiven. The question is, will you accept that forgiveness by receiving Christ into your life? I want to pray a prayer and ask all of you to pray it with me. And those of you that have never received Christ and those of you that have walked away from that commitment and you feel disconnected and distant from him, pray this prayer with me and draw near to him. The Bible says if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. This prayer is a draw near prayer. Where the moment you ask is the moment he responds. He responds. He's not looking at what you've done. He's looking at what you're doing right now in this moment. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call you Lord and I call you Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do me a big favor and yourself a big favor. I want you to text the word SAVED and put your name in there if you would. I think you can put your name in there. And say, you know, just just SAVED in your name. We want to pray for you. We want to call you out by name before the Father. 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. And it will be the most powerful text you've ever texted in your life. And uh, it's going to change everything for you. Now does it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you're going to do everything right. That you're never going to sin again. And the devil will convince you you didn't mean it. You it didn't change anything for you because you don't change overnight. That's called sanctification, not salvation. Salvation's immediate. Sanctification's a lifelong process. I'm still being sanctified, and some of y'all go it ain't, ain't working very well. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. I'm walking it out, but I'm going to tell you, I will never be inauthentic again. Inauthenticity is what killed me. Being somebody I wasn't, trying to be somebody I couldn't be, I'm just going to be me. And that ain't for everybody, but I think it's for somebody. And I know one thing for sure. Jesse and I may trade preaching. He may be the only one in the audience, but when he preaches, I'm going to be right there shouting him down. But we're going to be us, and we're going to tell you the truth, and we're going to be authentic, and we're going to do our best. So anyway, text that. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crowe. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.